seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Welcome, friends, to episode 156 of Color Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Jaquan Watson. And for 156 episodes, still got my main man down in Texas, Brian Allen. How you doing? Doing good. Uh, we're actually starting to get some <laughs> fall-like weather it's at a couple of times a day. So, Man, that's a change for y'all. That, that's awesome, actually. Like, I'm actually yeah, happy for y'all. The Farmer's Almanac, if you believe in that, says we're actually going to get winter this year. So maybe this is, you know, that, that means we also get fall. Well, I'm going to hope for y'all, man, because y'all need it for real. Like, you know what, though? I will say this. One of the things that I really noticed when I moved up here is here you actually have a true change in the season. Like, right, like in Texas, and you know as well as I do, like it goes yeah, from green summer. to brown, right? Like yeah. your leaves on your trees. Like it's green, and then there's like a week where stuff just turns brown. Right? <laughs> and then that's it till, till spring again. Like here, a couple of weeks ago, like things started to turn a little orange and red and purple and whatever. And you'll eventually get to where like the trees die off or whatever for the winter. But like weird to see it for the first time several years ago when I moved, like because you just, you're just not used to seeing it. But then you'll drive down a street and literally see like a box of crayons color wise just hanging off trees. Like it's it's crazy. Such a such a huge different experience. And, and it kind of reminded me that, you know, even when I was younger, I told people the U.S. and I don't mean this to like, hey, we need to start a revolution. But like the U.S. is almost too big because people don't even know how each other group of people live within the same country. Like it's so drag. Like even me and you on the show, like we we have we've had drastically different weather for like five months already. You know, like so people here aren't going to be able to relate to like a heat wave happening and, you know, y'all worrying about your grid because of ACs and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Because we haven't even had to run the AC hardly, but for maybe like a month, seriously this year. Like, crazy. For example, Texas, like you said, Washington area is, is a different place. For for either one of our places to Boston is almost like you are oh, yeah. in a whole different country. Yeah, different if you go, dialects and everything, dude. The Northeast totally different than other spots for sure. I was even talking to somebody not long ago, trying to explain to him about business. Right, if you're in texas in the south like it's it's proper but it's also understood because of conditions but you're probably going to be wearing like a button-up shirt and a tie right if you're going to go do business and be taken seriously hard bottom shoes maybe you could wear boots of various varieties get by with it nobody's going to call you on it right if you're in the northeast it's very much like suit jacket tie you know whatever like you got to look the part Right. I don't know. Maybe that's old school Italian mob boss influence or something. I don't know. But that's my experience. Right. When I've done business up there or I've traveled to meet people, it's everybody's done up. Right. Move out here to the Northwest. Bruh. Like you're lucky if you see somebody in a suit at all. Like (laughs) seriously, like your bosses have come to sleep with like their their button up shirt, but like no tie. You know, the top buttons undone. Their sleeves are rolled up, you know, probably wearing khakis, might be wearing some some J's. You know, like it's just a different world, right? Like, and I and I don't think people understand that. Like, everywhere you are in the country, like everything is so different. And we and it's hard, right? Because you want to have the same rules for everybody, but you just can't. Because, like, help different people are dealing with droughts and and 
forest fires and floods and blah, but stuff that will never happen in the rest of the country. Right? Like we are probably never going to have a serious hurricane up here in the state of Washington. Not likely, but y'all will also likely never have a potential volcanic eruption. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? So the things environmentally you even have to be concerned about are completely different. It's like, it's, it's crazy. Well, once the fracking gets way out of hand, yeah, hopefully there's no volcanic eruptions. Well, at that point, y'all are just worried about sinkholes. Yeah. Which, by the way, when we were kids, and we, they, all the cartoon stuff made us think that, like, quicksand was going to be a thing. But it ain't quicksand. We were like, but nobody told us about sinkholes. Sinkholes just appear out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And a few seconds later, there's just a big circle of earth missing. And quicksand, like, or not, no, see, quicksand's fake. Sinkholes are legit. <laughs> well, like quicksand kind of sort of exists, but it's not like cartoon quicksand. Like, or t- TV shows too. You would see somebody on Mission Impossible fall to a thing of quicksand and, and be ready to die. So that's like, true. Every- that happened on, on Gilligan's Island too, I think. Yeah, like all the TV shows that we grew up on just made, oh God, quicksand. But that's what I'm saying. Like we man, I and now I just want to go on a tangent about how like we just don't didn't learn anything as kids. Like I, I'm getting more and more upset as I became an older adult. It's just like learning all these animals that we were told were like dangerous aren't, and the ones that aren't are. Like, yeah, because nobody really everything you see about hippos, like Madagascar. Oh, look how cute and cuddly they are! Like, no, not just that, but we draw hippos like they're round and they're usually like pink or blue or whatever, yeah. and they're like all cutesy. Like those kill more humans than damn near any other animal every year. <laughs> Like, but we're told like, oh, well, rhinos are mean and they have the horns or whatever. Like, dude, I can tell you, I've been behind the scenes at zoos and rhinos are just like big dogs with horns. Like, for real, like nothing at all. Like we're taught as kids and that giraffes are scary as hell and lions don't mess with them because they'll just kick them in the face and kill them. Like, that's a thing. Like monkeys are all scary as hell because like they're monkeys. Like, I mean, like things we just don't don't learn it's crazy but all right we sidetracked enough we got a show to do this week but first y'all need to go pay some love over to our friends over at cardsphere.com they are wonderful supporters of our show and have been for almost a couple years now almost actually so go pay them some love for showing us some love plus if you want to buy and sell cards over there literally you get to name your price seriously like people think i'm just joking when i say that but literally you just tell people what you want to pay for a thing, and then they yay or nay, and a card shows up. It's literally that. Matter of fact, I had a card show up in the mail today. I had it on my list for like six months. It wasn't anything I really needed, but it was just like nice to have for a commander deck. And then I got a notice about four days ago that just said, hey, you have a package from so-and-so coming. Sweet. And then it showed up in the mail today. It was really that simple. And I saved like $4 on it, I think. So, you know, like good stuff. But go check them out. They're cardsphere.com. And then if you want to support the show, you can go to our patreon.com slash color magic and possibly be part of our giveaways like the two winners for this month, Lillian Young and MTG Pack a Day. I don't know their actual name, but hey, I just go by the names that you put to show up in our Patreon. So Lillian and MTG Pack a Day, you will be having something show up in the mail. What's today? We're recording on a Thursday because I had internet issues yesterday. So uh, probably be by next Thursday. It should get to them. So. Keep an eye out on your mailboxes and color of slash shop. If you want to go get some tokens and play mats and rep the show. And if you ask kindly, I'll even sign them for you. 
But all right. Oh, sounds like your dog's just just excited about them playmats and tokens too. Right? <laughs> Making sure we reminded everybody. Okay, but we do have some serious things to talk about this week. So let's knock those out here in the soapbox. All right, random. Okay, actually, random small. Like we're gonna put a little, little mark on this one. Like, why does everybody want clicky keyboards and mice? Like, I, I I was thinking about this the other day. Like, with so many people doing content and recording things and being on Zoom calls and all this stuff. Like, wouldn't we have wanted more things to be quiet? And then if it has to be a mechanical keyboard. Like, you can get those. Like, I discovered, because I've been looking. I was like, I want a quiet mouse and a quiet keyboard. And I kept finding all these reviews. They're like, oh, you can get these things. You can custom make a thing, and then it's quieter. But I'm like, no, I just want a thing that's quiet, and I want to pay for it. Finally, I found some this week. So I'll, I will have them and be using them soon. But it's amazing to me that there's only, like, a handful of products out there for that. And then I saw, I posted that on, on Twitter, and then a bunch of other people are like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for something, too. I'm like, oh, yeah, DM me. I'm looking for something, too. And I was like, oh. So this really is a thing that people want. Just for some reason, we've forever have been, hey, look how clicky my keyboard is. <laughs> like I've never understood why that's an appeal. But some people like it, obviously, and there's a bunch of them out there and they sell well. So, you know, it is what it is. So not really my soapbox, but it's a thing that came up. That was cool. Which, by the way, I have a mouse now that I will be using starting tomorrow. That is the absolute quietest mouse I have. Ever, like, literally, I had my ear up against it just to even hear it click. Like, it's amazing. So hopefully my other keyboard I have will be just as quiet. But the thing I actually want to gripe about is that it's Halloween. They're coming up on Halloween. It's October. So people are starting to plan their, like, Halloween trips. They want to go out to these farms and pick pumpkins and, you know, do pumpkin launchings and all that. Which, by the way, I'm down for all that. Right? You want to launch pumpkins. You want to go pumpkin hunting and get the right one for the house. Maybe you want to go on a hayride. I'm down. Like, I totally... Now, carving pumpkins, I'm not so excited about because just it's just a long process and it's messy and whatever. And it, I get it. If people want to do it and, you know, that's the activity for night, I'll participate. But I'm not going to be as into it as everybody else. But the one thing you cannot get me to do is them damn corn mages. Like, I, like, I, I don't understand. Like, you're asking a black dude to go to a farm. And in my experience so far, usually a white owned farm. <laughs> To go out at night into a field where I don't know anything, I don't know where anything's at, how to get in or out, and randomly there's supposed to be people in there possibly chasing me or popping out at me or whatever. Like, what is like, do you understand how crazy that sounds to me? <laughs> like, go hang out in the car field, Q, it's fine. Exactly. I'm like, this in no way appeal. Like, I get it. It's tradition. Some people did it growing up, they love doing it. Like, I'm not telling you not to do it, but don't act like like I've had people be like, get mad and defensive when I'm just like, bruh, do you not understand like how this is slightly uncomfortable and not really interesting to me? <laughs> like, there's, there's no benefit for me going and doing this, like literally zero. Like I can just sit in the car and enjoy something on my phone while y'all go do that. And usually these things have like a setup where I can go get some cookies. I can get some hot chocolate, maybe some apple cider, and I'll be chilling and be happy. Like, I got no problems. Like, I will snack and drink and y'all go have all your fun. And then we can go grab a bite to eat or whatever afterwards. Totally cool. I'm not even mad that y'all are doing it. Just I have no interest in doing it. 
this this is right there with like skydiving for me. Like I have friends like, oh, you'll never understand the 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 rush you get and blah blah. I'm like, I don't need it. Like I'll sit on the ground and watch y'all, but like you're asking me to jump out of a perfectly good airplane for sport <laughs> that I'm not that excited about. So why would I do it? Like and it's and I figured out it's not even a fear of heights thing. It's like logically, I'm having a hard time mentally separating from like, why am I jumping? Like I'm literally taking a risk I don't need to risk. Like that's that's the part. Like my brain won't let me go further than that. Like I try to avoid doing things that could completely kill me for yeah. fun. It's like just, I can go up into like you can put me on the fiftieth story of a building. I can go on the balcony, look over the edge. I won't get vertigo or nothing. Doesn't bother me. I'm just out on a balcony and I can see over the edge. Like that's not remotely dangerous or scary to me. But when you're asking me just like, it's the same people want me to go like, have you tried going like rock climbing on this crazy thing? Or you've never wanted to climb Mount Everest? Or like, no, no. I literally hear stories about people using dead bodies in Everest frozen that they pass as the mile markers for how high they are. Like I literally, and then when I started reading, that's a normal thing. They're like, oh yeah, when you get past this section, you'll probably see this group or whatever Blah blah. That's how you'll know you're at this point. Am I like no, oh, no, no, no. no. uh, uh-uh. no. Why? But there's people who still want to do it. So whatever. Obviously, the corn maze isn't that dangerous. I'm not. I'm not crazy. But I was. Just, I was never gonna do any of that stuff anyway. But my wife started watching that. Uh, or these. It's a genre of shows. You're like, I survived this crazy thing. You're like, no, nah, now nah, nope. just nope. <laughs> too many sounds. Or somebody went out. I climbed this mountain and fell and broke my leg, and then I sat there. No, nope. No. That's a whole show full of nope sauce. I ain't even. Mm-mm. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I get it. I get the the corn mazes are thing for people, but like, it, it, I just, I don't know. Something about it makes me just go like. One of those things. It feels like it breaks down on racial lines, or it's like. <laughs> It seems like white people just, you know, <laughs> but you know what? Need to be scared sometimes. It but it's, happy. but it's, it's a weird mental thing for me because, like, up here, there's so many people like to get out, do physical things, or whatever, and like marathoning when it's, it's is a thing, right? So, I have a lot of friends that are like, oh, you like to like play basketball and soccer, or whatever. Like, you'd be great. You should come out and run this, like, whatever, you know, five mile thing with me. And I'm like, no, I don't enjoy just running for the sake of running. There's no goal, right? Like. I can play basketball for five hours because I'm doing something, but you just put me running. I hate it. But then they're like, Oh no, no, you should come out to this like zombie run with us or whatever. And I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, people like jump out on the thing and chase you. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Why? Why don't I want to run? And then have people pop out of the woods. Like, no, I'm probably going to be mad, tired, fight somebody and get in trouble. And then I'm going to be all over the news. I don't need to be doing that. <laughs> like, so, yeah, not interested in that stuff. Same thing in the corn maze. I don't need, like, I'm wandering around trying to get the hell out, and then, I don't know, Jason Voorhees pops out or whatever to chase me or whatever. Like, no, not interested. So, anyway, I don't know. Crazy tangent, but hey, it's the holidays. I've had a bunch of people asking me, no, I am doing zero corn mazes this year, and that will be the still zeroth corn maze I have done in the last, hell, 30 years. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> All right, Brian, I'm going to pass this over to you. <laughs> this Herschel Walker thing, it started out crazy. And by the day, it gets worse. It started out with, okay, yeah, this this man really cannot even speak. 
or put together coherent, just first of all, coherent sentences, let alone actual statements of policies he would pursue as a sitting United States senator. By the way, to interrupt you, if anybody wants to know how crazy he is, just go look up Herschel Walker Air China. Right. That's it. I'm not going to tell you anymore. (laughs) Just type those words into Google. Herschel Walker Air China. And read that statement of words he actually said. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Everything, everything, every question you ask him, it it turns into this bizarre word salad of just... As we talked about, you you don't want to fall into that cliche of, oh, he's a football player. He's got head trauma. But, man, does he sound like he has... I think he he legitly has head trauma. I'm no expert, but I I, if you watch his mannerisms and how he speaks or whatever, like something happened. And I think he's admitted to having, you know, some various like challenges with bipolar disorder and other things. And I think uh, he's admitted that he has multiple. And I'm not saying that you can't be a senator and still, you know, suffer from mental health. Many of our senators clearly, you know, are sure, sure. suffering from some things. But th- this week, you know, he's as a Republican candidate, anti-abortion, nobody should have one, no exceptions, no circumstances. So, of course, this week we find out that he has apparently paid a, I guess you could say, baby mama of his to have it, because apparently they have at least one kid together, but he also paid for her to abort another child and is denying it. But I mean, she apparently has receipts, get well cards that line up with the date that she says. So yeah, all the important I've seen. And also his son has pretty much confirmed that it happened among all the other numerous wild things. It just, it's bad. This is. Man, for those of y'all that don't know his son, like you, you talk about air and dirty laundry. I mean, he basically took the laundry and just drug it down the street and laid it out. Like he he was talking about the other relationships, the fact that he didn't raise any of his kids, you know, the the abuse in the house, them having to move four or five times and him chasing them around, like it was ugly, man. And that's one of the, also one of the focuses of his campaign and his, you know, I guess personal brand is fighting against absentee fathers, but turns out apparently he is an absentee father. The frightening thing is in spite of all of these issues, he still is running almost neck and neck. It has a 50-50 chance to become a United States senator. That's the the quality of candidate the Republican Party is generating right now. And and that's the thing, like, you know, I know some people hate hearing us talk about politics or whatever, but this story in particular is very much an example of like we see so much from that side about don't do this, don't do that. This makes you a bad person, whatever. But then you find out so many of the people are doing those exact things. You know, hell today they posted a thing that I guess apparently the feds of some group, I don't know which group is investigating believes there may be enough information to possibly prosecute Hunter Biden for uh, a couple of things. Something to do with like weapons and something else. And pretty much everybody I know that's a Democrat or liberal is like, okay, yeah, sure. Then go for it. Like we ain't defending them. We ain't saying like the one in the white house. (laughs) 
but even then, like, it, I'm just saying, when when Trump was president, how often do you see, like, oh, well, you know, the kids don't deserve whatever. Oh, no, don't put attention on them. Oh, well, you know, it's okay because Trump's president, blah, blah, like, trying to find ways to justify their idiocy. Like, if you ask anybody that's one of us, we're just like, yeah, cool, get him, too. Like, you messed up, the law gets you, too. <laughs> right? Like, you got to call your own people on their stuff, man. That's all. Because this, this Herschel Walker thing is crazy. And this man, is coming just- from a Cowboys fan. Yeah, I guess credit to uh, one of the great lines I saw on Twitter where somebody said, at this point, Herschel Walker has lied so much, I'm no longer even sure he played professional football. I mean, I mean, I get it, though. Even his campaign says they are completely shocked. You know, a good campaign manager is like a good lawyer. Where it's like, okay, I don't care if you did it, but I need to know that you did it so I can figure out what we need to do about it from a legal or a public relations Dude, standpoint. They were saying two months ago that they were like, we didn't even know we had other kids. Right? <laughs> like, <'Cause his> own, <laughs> he just lies constantly. Just everything's, oh yeah, I'm a law enforcement officer. Okay, sure. Turns out he got some kind of honorary thing where if he's a law enforcement officer, so is everybody that got a badge for McGruff, you know, when they were in the D.A.R.E. program. <laughs> it's one of those things. Yeah. But but he's been selling as he was like an FBI agent. Also claiming he ran a network of hospitals. None of this is true. And, and you know, if this, like the abortion thing, okay, he's, that I guess is supposedly 12 or 13 years ago. These, these Many of these lies, like, you know, not acknowledging his four or five other kids, this is during this campaign, this stuff happened. So you can't say, hey, it's stuff he did back in the day. Yeah, that's, that's tough, you know, and like I said, it just puts a, a tough light on a bunch of things where you're saying, okay, cool, support who you want to support, but also hold your people accountable. You know, and because- now I see, you know, the, the, for the most of the past week, he's been just denied, denied, denied. Now I see a headline, if the allegations are true, they're nothing to be ashamed of. But wait, you, you see, all week, they, they haven't been true. They're like, if it was, this is like OJ, if I did it, yep. here's now. <laughs> Dude, for real, how baller is that by a play from OJ, though? Like, to even title your book, If I Did It. Like, bruh, really? That's the Friday part. You know, once you've been cleared or acquitted, well, which I he, guess is what they explained to him. Like, you can produce a knife at this point. There's nothing they can do to you. Well, a civil suit, which they he do. was dumb enough to go try to steal his own stuff back and got arrested. So that, yeah. you know, is what it is. Well, all right. Let's get into some other fun stuff because, you know, it's that time of the week where we get to talk about things we learned and things we get to share with everybody. And this week we have a couple of pretty interesting things. So what do you got, Brian? Uh, Overwatch 2 kind of sort of, in a way, launched this week. And I mean, there was a lot of things, you know, as we talk about, we we get you when you deserve to get gotten and we, you know, try to defend you when you deserve defense. So the, the thing they obviously couldn't really have predicted or prevented, I guess, was they got hit with a major DDoS attack. That's, you know, that's p- people suck hackers yeah. out there having nothing better to do than try to derail a game launch and ruin everybody else's fun. But there's a bunch of stuff that they could have predicted or could have done a different way. For example, they decided they're going to require everybody to have a, have a, to, to give them a phone number, hopefully to prevent cheating, 
racism and, and other terrible comments and chat and things. Probably big. They wouldn't allow you to sign up if you had let's a cricket wireless or a prepaid, you know, a, a burner phone for as the term usually is. So this just kind of like, oh, so what if uh so if I don't have a huge phone budget, I can't play Overwatch? At the start, Blizzard said yes. That's what's happening. They've backed off of it now because they realize, in addition to everything else, the optics on that, or not just optics, that's a horrible idea to to gate your supposedly free-to-play game because of, you know, income requirements, essentially. Yeah, that's a bad look. And also, they did a thing where you can basically migrate your account. Like, let's say, for example, I think I have a PlayStation and an Xbox account, so I can merge those two things. Hey, this is... I got two accounts, but it's still me, whichever console or PC I'm on. So that probably should have been done before the launch, but for some reason they did it afterwards, and that's been a nightmare, which has made it even harder. People were logging in like, hey, where's all... One of the main reasons to do it is to save all your progress from Overwatch 1, because since yeah, it's free to play, all the loot, all the skins that you bought, all that stuff is supposed to carry over. <clears throat> Problematic right now. Yeah, that that's... The tough part for that is that's one of the things that at least makes it easy or enticing for people to want to make the jump is, okay, I already spent on all these cool things. I don't want to lose them. So you should make sure that that thing at the very least is in place when you move forward. So that that's a little bit sad to hear. And right now they're taking the game down completely to work on <laughs> these numerous issues. So hopefully maybe even by the time you're hearing this, they'll have, some of these things fixed. The phone the phone number requirement is apparently definitely gone now because that was a horrible idea to begin with. Yeah, that's one that's, you know, well-intentioned, but somebody just hadn't thought that one out. So that's tough. And, you know, we were talking about this off the air. Like, when, one of the difficult things is you're going to have some very dedicated players that because they took down the Overwatch 1 servers immediately... You now are going to have people that have not been able to play Overwatch by the time it's back up for close to a week. If not longer, that's if they can get everything sorted out and get it up in the next 48 hours. It's going to be curious to see, you know, because we're we're not that far away from November when all the ridiculously good games they want you to buy for Christmas drop. I don't know if they recover because I'm trying to think of a launch and I cover a, a lot of them. I'm trying to think of one that has consistently been this bad. You know, everybody has, you know, first maybe first day there's yeah, issues, you know, but this is, maps don't work right. Yeah. You know, whatever. Game launched on Tuesday. It's almost Friday, and as of right now, you still can't play the game. So I don't know. Even even with the company the size of Blizzard and the game, the franchise as big as Overwatch, I don't know if you can stumble this badly and still recover. Oh, we'll just it, even when it was up, I saw people sharing stuff on socials that like. There are 10,000 people ahead of you in the queue or whatever, like some insane numbers. So I, I, they've just been having issues the whole time. Like this, this is wild. And I'm with you. I can't think of anything that had this much of a troubled launch in, in nearly every aspect of it. Especially for, you know, a triple A like major, one of the biggest publishers there there is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they have to be, a top fiver, you know, when you talk about the size of their games and their communities. So, man, that's that's tough. Hopefully, for all the Overwatch players, that gets worked out because 
I can only imagine, you know, not even knowing at this point if your account's even still going to transfer or any of this other stuff, you know, because now you don't know what's going to work and what's not. So that's that's pretty tough. Uh, in other news, there was some sad news to announce that one of the co-founders of BlurredCon, Haas Parrish, passed. And they announced it yesterday. And we've talked about BlurredCon before. I actually tried to get us booked, but it was too late uh, last year. But it's one of those neat conventions where, you know, when people say like, well, there's not enough black people involved in this, or there's not that many people like black people in gaming or in anime or cosplay or whatever. It was kind of like speaking to that and saying, okay, cool, let's bring them all in one place and show you that there are actually a lot. So for somebody to even take that chance and do it, knowing that you're going to catch a lot of hell, right? Because you're putting it right there in your name and your title. You you know the negativity that was going to come from it. But to really take that chance was really, really cool. And I believe they started it because of uh, attending Momocon, which is also down in the Atlanta area. I mean, down south. Uh, BlurredCon actually happens in Arlington, Virginia. So, you know, out that way. But I think it was just one of those things that somebody had that same experience and said, yeah, we probably do need more on these panels and need more, you know, guests of color and things like that to encourage people to say like, hey, this is okay. And this is a comfortable space and whatever. And it took off. You know, their first one, I believe, only even had like 1,800 attendees, you know, back in 2017. And since it's just grown every year. They did take COVID off in 2020, but a bunch of people did. So, you know, not a surprise. But yeah, everything seems to be going well. And they're getting big name guests. I believe this last year they had uh, Orlando Jones as one of the guests, which was pretty cool. So, I mean, people are paying attention and coming out to it. It's, it's just, you know, the sad part for me is that the dude started something really cool. And I mean, I guess at least he got to see it grow some, but it's just now hitting like the takeoff point, And he unfortunately won't get to experience that. But still neat, you know, to see just on socials, how people are responding. I followed a couple of threads on Twitter and on Facebook, and it's just been tons and tons of positive comments. Like, fortunately, the knuckleheads have stayed away because this would have been an easy opportunity for people to say just something stupid. But, you know, it's it's been overwhelmingly positive. I mean, literally, you're talking like 150, 350 comments, you know, whatever. So, like, good, good to everybody that's participating and just being positive about it. Because it, it, there's a lot of people, and I can tell you, and I don't know if some of these people will ever be celebrated, but there's a lot of people in gaming, in comics, you know, just event management that are kind of unsung heroes of the industry, that they're doing a lot behind the scenes to make things happen, to change the culture, to create more diversity, and they will never get a headline. There will never be somebody that's going to be celebrated on on a news story. You know, you're, you're lucky if people even give you a mention on social media some of the time. You know, and I even, you know, not to put myself on the same pedestal, but like, I know all the stuff I've done to change things for people. And I've been in stores and seen people experiencing things that I was directly responsible for, and they have no idea, you know, and I'm not going to be like, well, you know, you only get to do that because I did, but you know, I'm not going to be that guy, but like, you know, that that's the nature of the world, you know, and these people are doing some even 
bigger things than I've ever done or am doing and just won't be celebrated. You know, so it's cool to see people giving some some positive responses and love to Parrish and his family. Honestly, it's very cool. Daquan won't do that. I totally will. Hey, Roman Reigns, acknowledge me. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't I don't need to be doing that. Like I like it to sidetrack, not to take away from this story, but we were talking about this a little bit on Twitter earlier today, you know, and I've encountered people who want to directly argue with me or discredit me or tell me I'm wrong for things that literally I helped start for projects I was in the room for and gave feedback on, you know, being part of a decision group for a thing to even move forward. And some people are just going to have that mentality with you, you know, so it's not even worth bringing up or arguing or fighting for or whatever. Just like, all right, cool. It is what it is, man. And I just walk away. I don't, I don't even care about proving myself to those people. Like all the people that matter. No, you know what I mean? Like when, when I was deciding if I was going to do content or not, like, and, th- and this is a little bit of a humble brag, but like I had multiple big companies in the industry reach out and offer me an opportunity. And and I'm not going to name names, so I'm putting any of them out there. But yes, they are names that you know and probably interact with on a daily basis. And they all cited my past history and track records with different things. So they're well aware. Like the people who need to know, no. You know what I mean? The people who care and understand, they acknowledge it. So I'm I'm not going to be out there. Fight. And the same thing for all these other people behind the scenes. Like if I go to certain conventions or I go to work with certain people on a project, like there are repeated names that will come up because the people in the business that, that know, no, it's just the general public will never know their importance and celebrate them. And, you know, so it's cool when sadly it takes the death of somebody, you know, to, to get that recognition. But hey, at least he's getting his flowers now. But there was definitely some uh, pretty, I don't know, we'll call it uh, controversial news that happened this week. So, yeah, in case you magically somehow were under a rock for the last 72 hours and just did not know. Or if you were the people I saw on Twitter that just like saw, you know, somebody mentioned, you know what, I'm out. I'm logging out. I don't need to see anymore. Yeah, that's also true. Wizards of the Coast decided they're going to reprint Black Lotuses. And the world went, what? Uh, But it's going to be effectively in $250 boosters. Or if you'd like to buy a whole box of them, they come as a set of four, $4,000. But they're also not tournament legal. They are weird backs and gold borders, and they're only going to be available in limited quantities. So yeah, it's a weird, weird product. So I just, somebody who started playing long after the Black Lotus era, what is the purpose for these exactly? It's strictly collectible. And and, and I do, that's kind of the part I want to talk about, right? Like, yes, it's a crazy, like, okay. I will address the thing I think was a problem in the announcement. And it feels to me like, and this happens at a lot of companies, so I'm not just putting this strictly on Wizards, but you have like a PR team work on some copy to use for like online and for magazines and for stuff for like Forbes interviews and stuff like that, right? And then that's just sent over to the other departments. You put it together, you put your notices out or whatever. Part of that was 
a statement written, and this is paraphrasing, but basically we also wanted to give the chance to people to enjoy opening a chance to open the power nine who may have not had a chance to open original beta boosters. Well, obviously when you make it a thousand dollars, it's not going to be a real thing. How when you make it Plus, it's not if you're not going to let it be used in any tournament format, you're not really yeah. most people aren't interested, right? Like, yeah. so to me, that was the line that made it bad. I think had they left that off, they could have saved themselves some issue. Now, I get it, PR stuff, whatever. I get how it happens, whatever. That aside, I think this is one of those products that people that are being upset about it, it's, I don't know, gamers are gamers. We just want to be mad about everything. And I'm not going to tell you not to be mad about it. FOMO is real. It bothers people. I get it. But ultimately, we have to look at this as they're selling a collectible. They're not selling you games. But is it, though? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's definitely. Anything that's limited these days with a Magic logo on it is a collectible. Even though you can't actually use it for anything, I guess, other than Commander? Because even, even the old decks from the World Championship decks and stuff like that, there's individual cards in those that still sell for $20 and $30, even though you can't use those in tournaments. So they're, they're definitely still a collectible aspect to it. But they don't have, they didn't have a previous version that you actually could use, like Black Lotus, right? No, they do. These are actual decks they made replicating, like they used to do every year for the World Championships for, I think it was for like six or seven years in a row. The top eight would have four of them picked to have their deck made. And they would make a replica deck that had like a World Championship logo on the back the year. And then each front would have gold borders and like, you know, a fake signature or whatever of the player that played it. So they were all actual cards that existed. You just got the world championship version. But some cards in those like Wastelands and Birds of Paradise, whatever, still actually sell for three bucks, five bucks, 20 bucks, whatever. Curse scrolls. So like those are actual still money, even though there's real versions that exist. Now, a lot of times people want those to just have a replica in their, you know, they're proxying something in a commander deck. Maybe they're making a cube and they want that particular card in there so they can have it in their draft cube at home, whatever, right? And they just, it's cheaper than having the original. Usually, like if original of one of those is like $50, one of the reprints in those you can get for like eight bucks or something, right? So I get why people do it. But at the end of the day, they're effectively just selling you a collectible. And I think if you look at it that way, it changes kind of the perspective on the whole thing because they're not really selling you a game piece. Like people say, well, it's a proxy and people, yeah, okay, sure. But they're not really selling you a game piece. They're, they're selling you a collectible. And, and yeah, be mad. It's for whales or whatever, but the, here's the reality. Like if it wasn't this, it would be something else. That's also really good that you would be mad as expensive and for the whales. Because that's literally every collectible, every hobby, every game or has that thing, right? We, we, hell, if you watch my video I put up on YouTube this week, I show examples from the sports card industry where you have Panini Immaculate packages that are like $12,000 for a box. You know, the, the briefcase things that are like four or 5000 for like four packs or whatever comes in that silly thing, right? So we're not even anywhere close to the peak as Magic players. But you also have to understand that if you're Wizards of the Coast and you see what other fandoms and hobbies are able to do at some point, you're going to ask, like, well, why don't we have our, I don't know if it's a $10,000 thing, but, you know, why don't we have our $1,000 thing? 
And remember, this is also the company that works with like Transformers making like weird rare gold jewelry and stuff with Transformers on them or $500 collectible Monopoly sets and you know, whatever. Right. So (laughs) we're going to have those in magic sooner or later. And the only reason this stuff works is because you've made it at least somewhat collectible and desirable or the whales don't want to spend the money on it. It's the same way you get the rare high end, you know, I want the $5,000 custom lightsaber or whatever. Like, yeah, it's cool. And it sucks. I can't own one because I'm not spending $5,000 on a lightsaber, but like somebody with the money will. I mean, I remember I was telling you, Brian, like several years ago, they made the rare uh, like Jabba the Hutt ship. I don't remember what it's called. I'm not a Star Wars nerd, but like it was only available through the Hasbro shop and they only made so many of them and people were so mad at it at the price and everything. And it's just like, well, yeah, but it's only desirable because it's limited. You know what I mean? Like it's the same way when people talk about, oh, well, secret layers should be available in stores and whatever. like secret layers are available in stores. Nobody would want them and they wouldn't have as much value. Part of their value is the fact that they are limited, right? We, it sucks, but we just have to admit that. They're like, we are nerds, and as a community, we pay for things that are limited because we want to have the rare, shiny thing. When everybody has the rare, shiny thing, our rare, shiny thing is no longer rare and expensive and awesome, so we don't want it. As Syndrome said, when everyone is special, no one will be. <laughs> it's true, though. Like, I mean, you know, that's one of those times crazy villains get to say some things that are true sometimes. And he's not wrong. And I think this is one of those cases. Because re- let's be real. Like, would it have been cool to get to open some of those? And, yeah, I don't know. People put them in their cube or whatever. Like, yeah, sure, of course. But is it that big a deal to have, like, a nicely done proxy from somebody in your cube versus an official Watsy proxy in your cube? Not really. You know what I mean? Like I, like, I get the want and I get the the sentiment around it, but it just doesn't change anything fundamentally. Now, if these in any way, shape, or form were legal cards to play with, I, I got a whole different discussion to have. Like, honest truth. Like, if they, if they were legal in any way, shape, or form, even if it was just like, yes, these are proxies, but they are only legal in vintage tournaments or whatever. Okay, now we're having a real conversation. Because now we're changing the game and you're making certain cards available only to people with super deep pockets. And you're not really helping reduce the cost of a lot of the other stuff by doing that, right? So then we have a real real conversation. But otherwise, no, you're just selling me a collectible. I mean, it doesn't mean anything to majority of the community. And honestly, within a week's time, people probably aren't going to be talking much about it. It's just not a thing. They're going to make their money on it. It's going to sell out. And then we're going to move on. It's the same fear everybody had about the walking dead. You know, this, like it just comes up all the time. You know, there's, there's always a thing that like, Oh, this, you know, we had the hundred dollar VIP boosters for, for double masters a couple years ago. And people are like, Oh, that's it. This is crazy. No one's going to buy these. This is stupid. But those things sold out. Hell you can't even, they've already doubled in price. They're like $190 plus. If you can find one practically anywhere right now. In two years. So it's like, you can't say this doesn't work and that people don't want them. Like, I get it. We want the game to be more accessible and all that. Yeah, totally. But yeah, to me, it's not like a, it's not a, is there a market? Clear there's a market. I guess the question is, should things like this exist in Magic? I say yes, because this is not a game piece. 
And and that and that's where I'm making the difference for me. Like if this was a thing that could have potentially reduced the cost of actual cards, could have increased people playing more legacy and vintage or whatever, you know, could have could have truly made playable versions of the moxes available for people, then I would have a real problem with it. But you basically just made a collectible. I mean, these these could be anything in those packages and I would look at it the same way because it's not a tournament thing. It's nothing that's usable for hell. If you are and here's my problem, like if you really want proxies, you already have like 10 or 12 people out there that make very good proxies for things. And you're probably already buying stuff through them. So you're going to con- the people that are using proxies are just going to continue to do it. They don't need official $100 proxies from Words of the Coast. The people who don't want proxies aren't buying them and they're definitely not going to touch these even if they were cheaper. I mean, I'm one of those people that rarely proxies anything. So even if these were, hell, 20% of the price, I'm still not that interested. Like, I might get one, as it stands, just for the the social media presence of it. You know, maybe do a video where I open them, do some kind of cool giveaway or something, maybe, or I don't know, maybe do a box break where I let people buy into it or something. Like, I have no idea. But I'll probably do something like that. But otherwise, yeah, I, I'm not that interested in it. And I get it. The sentiment there and the, the visuals of having a, a $1,000 product in our game and all this stuff, like it, it's worrisome to people. I, I get that part of it. But they're also, well, you know what? Let's just lead into the next part of this. Because, because of this crazy announcement, I don't know if you, did you see all the other things that got announced, Brian, alongside this? Uh, yeah. And I, and I think that's that's what people missed, right? Because they were saying like, oh, but this is the 30th anniversary, blah, 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 would have been a thing. They announced a lot of other cool things that are totally accessible for people. First off. Right, and again, PR <laughs> thing. If you had timed this better, because there, there are some things that are like what another reporter I saw called a feeding frenzy. Yes. The, the Black Lotus and the other thing that we're going to talk about a little bit later that was was announced. Yeah. But, so but the, if you announce those at the same time, everything else you announce is just noise. Sure. That's true. But to be honest, like the fact that they're putting out baller promos for the next year. So if you show up to pre-releases or anything like the giveaways are legit cards. I mean, there's Windfall, Loyal Retainers, uh, ex- and a cool alternate art, Old Border, like Exalted Angel. Just like cool-ass cards. A cool Eternal Witness. There's a Termogoyf they're going to be giving away next year just for showing up to a thing. Like, real cards with real value. Like, this is actually good stuff that they're just giving away. Again, part of the whole, like, 30th anniversary, like, 30-year magic, like, whatever. But this is stuff that didn't get talked about, right? Because of that. And there's so many cool promos in this thing. Like, seriously, look up the announcement. Like, it's totally worth going to see. Like, just tons of stuff. And even for the RCQs next year, the qualifiers for the Pro Tour, they were like, yeah, we probably need better cards for prizes for those. So they, like, ramped up the quality. You can get a Snapcaster mage in one of them. So that's a thing. And Snapcasters are already expensive, right? They showed us some Brothers War stuff. They have Dominary Remastered coming out beginning of next year, which actually looks really cool with the cards they previewed, but it's basically a set made from cards that at any point in history pretty much occurred on Dominaria, which means it can be a lot of stuff. But even what they showed, they have a cool alternate 
thing for a uh, counter spell. There's Birds of Paradise, Time Stretch, which is sought after by a lot of people, uh, Sneak Attack, Swords of Plowshares. So like cool card. That's that in and of itself is probably gonna be an awesome draft product. And I don't even do a lot of booster drafting. So like that's a thing. They talked about stuff coming out for Arena. And then there was another cool product, but it has people a little bit upset. And it's that they have what they're calling the Secret Layer 30th Anniversary Countdown Kit. Now, it's effectively an advent calendar, but they probably are trying to be completely agnostic as possible, so they didn't want to call it an advent calendar. So it's a countdown kit per their word. And I, and I don't blame them, right? If you're trying to be consistent and and try to be diverse and not call people out, I get it, right? But I was we were talking about trying to figure out why would this product be limited? Because none of the other secret layers have really been limited to this point, except for a handful. So why is this one limited? And then I thought about it, and we found it in the very bottom of the announcement. One, first off, this is 30 cards that come individually wrapped over 30 days. So you can do the whole advent calendar thing and open up 30 things over 30 days if you want to, which is kind of a cool idea. I don't, I don't have any problem. I think it's neat. And it's only 150 bucks. And I say only, but like when you think about the quality of cards they've shown already, and they've said these are all going to be tournament playable cards. Like these are all cards that showed up in popular decks. And what they showed was like Shark Typhoon, Necropotence, Chrome Mox, Birthing Pod, uh, Elspeth Sun's Champion, Nickel Bolas, God Pharaoh, Blood Braid Elf. Like these are all known cards that are worth money. So probably worth 150 just on cash value of individual cards. And I'm sure the rest will be shown or previewed when they actually go live on the website. But from November 1st to November 4th, it's only going to be up for three days or until it sells out. But honestly, the fact that they said, because I was looking at the date and I said, why November 4th? And in the next paragraph, they tell you, one, 30% chance that every one of those cards can be upgraded to a traditional foil. So one in three of every one of those that goes out will be an additional foil. So it means if you get 30 days worth, at least 10 are likely to be foil. So that's actually pretty cool too. So you get free upgrades. But on top of that, they're trying to get it to you by December 1st. So that way you can do the whole advent calendar thing through the month of December, which is actually pretty cool. So it sucks when people say, oh, why is it limited? Whatever. Well, like, they have to pre-print them and package them and get them ready to go, or there's no way they're going to get them to you before December. Because anybody who knows anything about shipping during the holidays, like, stuff is way backed up. Yeah, it's so, a nightmare. Yeah, so if you don't get that stuff out the door by, like, November 20th, at the latest, even within the country, it ain't going to get to nobody. Like, that stuff ain't going to show up till middle of the month, you know, whatever, or later. Like... And if you try to get something out after Thanksgiving, shoot, you may not see that thing till New Year's sometimes. So I totally get why they're doing what they're doing. It's just tough. You know, you're going to have to log on early that morning of the of uh, November 1 and try to get it. But I think it's really cool. I think it's a neat idea. All of them have these alternate arts and cool treatments. This is one of those ones where I tell people, like, you should just be buying secret layers and commander decks if you just want nearly guaranteed value this one i think has even more long-term value because they're basically dedicating to the fact that these are all going to be playable cards so yeah i i don't know i thought it was neat it just sucks that you know cool stuff like that gets buried because of the other news 
but it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Now, again, would I like for there have been a different treatment or something else for the players on the 30th anniversary? Like, yeah, probably. I could think of a few things. Am I upset that what they did exist? Not really. It just feels like more of a miss than a hit is all. And I'm kind of all right with that. Like, that happens. They're going to make their money. Like I said, at the end of the day, we're not going to care all that much. It's it's just a feels bad for a lot of people. Mostly because it includes, even in non-playable versions, it does include the Power 9 and stuff. And a lot of people would have liked the chance to open or draft those. So, I mean, not not much more we can do with that. But anyway, we're kind of running long. But let's race through these other bits of news that we've got. Hey, Brian, you remember, I guess it would have been about uh, three or four months ago, we talked about G Fuel just magically having their partner advisors just disappear. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, and and nobody to this day, to my knowledge, really knows what happened. It's all of a sudden, if you were sponsored by G Fuel, you didn't know who to talk to or if your checks were going to show up. Well... I hadn't really heard or seen much news, though people seem to be operating business as usual. Then all of a sudden, I saw a thing yesterday on socials where they were just asking, like, hey, who needs or can use one of these? I guess it was a cooler where you keep their drinks and it was like wrapped in Halloween theme with like one side being a Ouija board. (laughs) Like it was very weird design to begin with, but it was just odd to see like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then that was everywhere. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if they hired more people or they just restructured or whatever, but apparently G Fuel is still trucking. I mean, I thought maybe cutting some people was like, hey, we're having some issues. We may have to clean house. I don't know, but I've seen that. I've seen a couple of their little, you know, whatever you want to call the little inset ads pop up that show this up. So, I mean, I guess they're still paying for advertising and stuff. So uh, maybe they just want to be like Twitch or hey, Twitch is a major corporation or a major entity that doesn't have anybody you can contact when you need help so they're going with the same business model maybe man i don't know it works for twitch it's gonna work for g fuel i just figured it was worth mentioning since we we talked about the other issue and like hey here's a follow-up they're still around so go figure it is funny though that you mentioned twitch just a second ago because that's our next story talking about a new feature that they've added And you tell me, Brian, how beneficial you think this is. But basically now, whereas normally you could donate bits and leave a comment with your bits or whatever. Now there's levels that you can pay. I believe it starts at like $1.99 and goes up to like $20 or something. But there's different levels that you can pay. And your comment now will stay at the top of the chat highlighted for some amount of time. I believe up to maybe five minutes is what I saw. I'd have to go back and look at the announcement. But some number of seconds to minutes, depending on how much you pay. So what do you think about that? I, I, I guess I'll wait for data because I I don't know if that does anything. But I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. You know, like, like part of me says, all right, if nobody uses it, cool. It's no loss. Right. But it's like another avenue that somebody could spend to give you money. And that's kind of cool. So it kind of put me in the mindset of like, I guess as long as they didn't spend a lot of time programming it 
and take resources away from things that would help solve other problems or make more money, I guess I'm okay with it. The only thing I can yeah, I, I can't imagine that was a not that I'm by any stretch a programmer or a coder, but I can't imagine that was a hard thing for them to make happen. Yeah, and that's kind of my mindset. Like if if it's simple, cool. The only thing I I can really think of why they would have attempted it is if anybody's been on a stream on YouTube, they have a thing called super chats. And if you leave a super chat, like it does the normal thing where like your stuff will pop up with a highlight message or whatever. But then as it reaches the top, it'll there'll be a uh, a colored countdown bar with like your your icon or initials or whatever. And it'll take longer for that bar to disappear depending on how big your donation was. And it doesn't leave your comment highlighted per se, but it, I guess, leaves it there so in case the presenter missed it, they can go and click on it or whatever and see what it is. You know, so I think this is like the the Twitch equivalent, I guess. And, you know, I don't mind that. If something works for one platform and the other group wants to try it, like, go for it. I mean, why not have more options for people to pay and for people to get paid? You know? So I'm, I'm with it. It'd just be interesting to see how people use it. I I don't know what the best functions are going to be for it yet. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the only negative I can think of is that maybe it just doesn't work. There's no, I, I can't see any harm from doing it. Yeah, and, think, and see, and that was my thing. Since it still leaves control for the streamer to just turn them off or like delete one, or if it's up too long or whatever, and it's, it's a bothersome comment, you can just have it removed. Like, there's no real harm to come of it that couldn't already come from somebody just like giving you bits and having a thing scroll through the stream. Right. So it's an all upside play, which is a thing we don't get to say that often about Twitch, but it's a thing that's all upside. And if it just goes nowhere, it goes nowhere, you know, so good on them. I mean, they got to give credit where it's due. It's one of those things that like, it feels a little weird, but when you really logic it out going like, what's the loss if it doesn't work? Uh, Pretty much none. So, yeah, another way to monetize yourself and no harm to anybody. So, yeah, good, good for them. And, uh, Brian, you pointed out some sad news to me to earlier today. Yeah, we had been talking about uh, Google Stadia and just kind of what was going on with it. And, and sadly, it is going away. Kind of some of the fire sales that we saw were leading us to think that's what was happening. And yeah, that is now apparently confirmed by Google that you know, pour a little something out for, for Stadia. The concept, yeah. I think, was great. It's just for a number of reasons, just never caught on. Yeah, it's tough, man, because, you know, just like the last time we talked about it, I was surprised a little bit when I went to just research it and saw the titles that they had and how many I was like man how many people don't know about this you know and then I would talk to a couple people and they're like really what is that I've never seen like oh yeah it's like the Google online thing if you want to go play video games and it costs almost nothing and they're like what you know so like people just didn't even know about it but then it's also weird because I think we've just become pre I don't know what the word is like pre-programmed i guess to just our games need to have a system yeah and there i mean the stadia to that regard was a little weird right like i i just have a controller and i plug it in my computer and then i just i just play video games right some people i think never really got and 
the closest thing to that is probably Steam. You know, and Steam was so far ahead of Stadia already. I mean, literally decades ahead. Yeah, it's just we, we talked about this earlier. It's hard to break in. I mean, there's Microsoft, there's Sony and Nintendo, and it's been that way for really 25, 30 years. It, it's if if Google can't break in, I don't know who can. Yeah, it's one of those things. I I think somebody could, but I think the amount of money and effort it would take is not what most people are going to be financed for, be wanting to spend. Yeah. Yeah, I think Amazon is trying to get their foot in the door and so far isn't having any luck. So again, if companies as large as Google and Amazon can't figure it out, Steam, you know, is is, is doing their uh, Steam decks. I think they probably guess we'll we'll see if they if they make any headway. If they don't, I I, at this point (laughs) don't know who could. Yeah. And the thing is, I think the only reason it would work for Steam is because you already have the buy in. Right, like people already have Steam accounts. They already have their well. Some people, because they buy the Steam sale crap, have two hundred games in their Steam account. You know, so you're just giving people another way to play the things they already have and like while they're away from their computer, right? So that at least makes sense to me. I think it's a lot harder when you're talking about somebody like Amazon, like from the ground up. Like we have to create a culture around our thing and get people used to coming to our site for that. Where you know, to be fair. Amazon is also just like angling to have more NFL because the money's absurd. So like, you know, if they're going to dedicate resources or whatever to be able to make it, what is the potential upside on like, okay, let's say we do get the video game thing to work. What does that work? Like maybe a billion tops over a couple of years. And that's if everything goes right. Whereas they're going to make who knows on the NFL stuff. I mean, sky's the limit on that. So I so I kind of get why these companies put the resources where they do. And uh, you will be able to access your Stadia library until January 18th, 2023. So, you know, get your if you bought it and get your gaming in while you can. Well, that's pretty cool. It'd be it'd be neat for those people if there was a way you could download them and still play them independent of the website. But I don't even know how they would do that. I mean, just once it's gone, it's gone, which is kind of disappointing. But. That's kind of the world we live in, though, with a lot of video games. You know, like, you're not really, you don't have a cartridge or a, or a CD or any of that other stuff anymore. Hell, sometimes you barely even have the files that you've downloaded just for yourself. So, I guess it's not that uncommon to lose stuff once it goes away. It's just a shame. Because, you know, I liked it conceptually. But yeah, the concept, I still think, is brilliant. It just... I, I guess it, it shows again, you know, you got to really, you, you got to have that support, I guess, from the, for, from the big wigs. Yeah, you, you gotta, I mean, it, it's, it's like everything, you know, when you're trying to do anything to that scale, whether we're talking about video game or how movies have gotten that way now, you know, when you, when you hear that even some simple movies are like, oh yeah, the budget was, was, you know, 18 million. And you're like, what, like, <laughs> what did you spend 18 million? You know? But it's so this guy's salary. Yeah, but it's usually it's, the answer. But it, but it's salaries. It's you know the level of graphics and and post production you have to do and sound engineering and both like the bar is just so high now for everything. Like everything's pricey to do stuff on that scale. So yeah, it's a shame. You know, pour one out for Stadia. Uh, Google tried. But I think like many things we've seen with the game industry, a lot of people who step into it just realize like 
they're usually companies that have at least one foot in some other sphere and that other sphere is just more profitable for them. And I think, unfortunately, that was that was the deal for Stadia. I mean, you you were the branch of a company that also has the biggest video library, the biggest search engine that are literally mapping the oceans in space, you know, like, and they just weren't going to give you enough time and enough money. So that's tough. Sad if you're a fan. And I, and I can't even define what enough time or, or enough money might be, because like I said, how long has it just been? Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. When is the last time anybody challenged any one of those three? It's been well, even even Sega was like, we can make more money just making the software. Why yeah. are we messing around with the hardware? We'll just make software for the other three guys. You're seeing more people leaving, or or you, as you said, just deciding they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna make software and not consoles, as opposed to more people I mean, breaking in. I would even say to this point. The big three don't even get out of it just because it's guaranteed money being one of the big three. You know, because Sony, there's been discussions at different times of like how important is PlayStation to the brand and this, that, and the other. And then now it's become hugely expensive or important, but there was a point where it wasn't as important to to them, you know? And there's even a point where Microsoft uh, had a meeting with Nintendo and made an offer to buy Nintendo. They said it was about 10 minutes before Nintendo stopped laughing. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> just, are you insane right now? I mean, Why, to be fair, if somebody can buy them, it would be Microsoft. <laughs> but again, the long-term money is too good. You know, if yeah. you're one of the big three. I, I feel like surely Disney has more money than Microsoft. But it's just, Nintendo's thing is like, it's not for sale. It makes way too much money. Well, yeah. And plus, Nintendo encompasses so much stuff. You know, I think people forget that they make you know, T-shirts, keychains, stuffed animals, you know, hell, if you go overseas, there's full-on Pokemon stores that are like Walmart, just Pokemon stuff. Because sure, know. Disney could offer them, and I'm sure Microsoft probably could too, what the company is worth now, but you can't offer them that, plus all the money they would make on their own over the next oh, yeah. hundred years. Yeah. Well, think back to when when Microsoft bought Minecraft. People were like, Oh, this is such a dumb deal. Minecraft is so washed up. It's already past its prime, whatever. They have made so much damn money off that deal. They they had to have made at least 10x what they paid for it. And people were calling the execs at Microsoft stupid and they're trying to jump into the game stuff too late and blah, blah, blah. And like it's it hell, it's got like spin-offs on top of spin-offs. They make mine Minecraft Legos now. Yeah. Like, well, people said people said Disney overpaid for Star Wars, and Disney just laughed. Like, it's not even possible to overpay for Star Wars. Oh no, no, I I told people, even if you hate Disney, you are going to find out way more about Star Wars because Disney has that license. Because Lucas was never going to make like the Mandalorian or any of this other stuff, right? Disney's going to do it because they want to make money off that big investment. Right, they they can't let it just sit there. Like they need to make more than the one movie every three years or whatever it was. Right, like it, it's one of those things. And honestly, I'm still standing by the fact of they need before he passes away. You know, the dude uh, Attenborough. They need to get him to voice the like the worlds of Star Wars. That needs to be a thing because I mean, God bless him, but he's only probably got like man at best seven eight more years with us. And that's if everything goes again. You thought right? Bob Vila was dead. We can't trust you. Well, yeah, that's true. 
You, you I, tried to you tried to kill this old house. Sure he was dead, but but man, I didn't like. I knew Attenborough was up there, but I didn't realize how up there he was. How old is Attenborough? Oh, he's, he's in his eighties. Okay. Yeah, he's he's. I, I need to go look Google it again because I'm pretty sure I looked it up not that long ago, and I was like, oh god, we we don't have long. We're about to lose a treasure. You never know. Yeah, they have him listed as a broadcaster too, which is a uh, funny. Of course, even if, even if you know he lives to be a hundred, we oh, probably no. only got. He's old. I thought he was just turning ninety. No, he is ninety six. Okay. So yeah, even if he lives to be a hundred and ten, probably not much longer of actively voicing projects. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and that's the thing. Like I like, there's so much room in a lot of these brands, but the parent companies only take them so far partly because of resources sometimes you know and when you get you know in the case of minecraft you know microsoft taking over they can do these huge things right they have the teams and the budget so all the stuff you've dreamed of like that's one of the reasons when you see a lot of these buyouts the companies say like okay we're still going to keep this person on as like the head of this department or as an advisor for this thing or whatever because usually these people come with tons of knowledge and tons of ideas that they've just never been able to move forward. So you don't even have to do all the initial research. They already have all the paperwork, all the history, all the research done for you. You just got to basically put the money and the people to it. So, yeah, like in the case of Stadia, there's nobody to buy it, you know, because the other big dogs are already doing their thing with a lot of the same brands and same games. So it's just once it's gone, it's gone, you know, unfortunately. But all right, Brian, let's wrap stuff up this week and have a little dinner table conversation. And I'm not 100% sure where I wanted this to go. But at least because this is what I posted on socials. I showed a comment from somebody. And... I, I can't remember what I had said to someone, but it was basically using the phrase, well, you might as well do whatever it was, right? And then somebody wanted to be snarky, probably some dude that wears a fedora that likes going around and correcting people's grammar or whatever, and says, well, it's not might as well. That's not a word. It's might as well. So then I had to respond with one this is a dialect thing. And if you grew up in the South, I guarantee you, you've heard a lot of people say mize. I also told him he may want to look into words like y'all, gonna, and fixinta. Because those also fit that same profile. That's a fixinta. Yeah, exactly. But I was explaining to him that I do understand exactly how language and dialect both work. I choose many times to type as though I speak because anybody that has listened to me gets a similar experience in text because there's no way to bring that across otherwise, right? I'm not stupid. I know might as well as an actual thing, but I sort of felt like this comes back to that whole, oh, you speak so well kind of a thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when, when, when I do my presentations for an unknown audience, I'm not going to be using might as well and fixing to and going or whatever. So at the end of it, those people go like, oh, you're so well-educated. You speak so well and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I'm the same damn person. I just chose not to be like Southern country around you. It, you know what? You know what it is? It's like it reminded me. There was a video I watched 
uh gosh, this was a while ago. This was a couple of years ago. But it was a dude trying to it was it was a scientific video, and I can't remember what the experiment was. But you could tell this dude was from deep Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, he was from Louisiana. He was he was that that type, right? My name Bobby Boucher. Oh yeah, dude. He had the for real, like deep Creole accent. And it was almost like it, people were commenting, like, this dude can't be a real scientist. But and I'm like, no, everything he's so, doing is legit. So just prejudiced. Yeah, I'm like, everything he's doing is legit. He just sounds funny because he's from, you know, deep Louisiana. That's He probably grew up down there or something. Like Jeff Foxworthy says, if people hear a Southern accent, they automatically want to deduct 100 IQ points. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. They it, And they become easy to take a shot at because we've already associated ourselves with like, oh, well, if you sound like if you sound like you're from Southern Alabama, you're obviously stupid. But honestly, some of those acts, like the same thing, like if you hear somebody with like the crazy Jersey Shore accent, you know, people are like, oh, that's obviously an uncultured blah, blah. You know, it's like, no, they just hung out at the beach a lot on spring breaks in Jersey. Not you. <laughs> Not you. Yeah, exactly. You. But that doesn't mean those people can't be intelligent, you know, and it's just understanding that because I guarantee you if that that same scientist had to write a paper or presentation, you wouldn't know where he was from. He would know all, he, he knew all the proper terminology. He would write down all the right diction and everything else. But until you ran into him and then you'd be like, for real though. <laughs> but you know what? I caught myself too going like my first thought was, okay, is this dude just doing a bit? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and then I'm listening to him and realizing, like, you know, I grew up around Texas and Louisiana. So, like, I'm like, no, this sounds like a legit accent. Yeah. And I'm like, no, the dude's doing a real experiment. He just has has that accent. Like, you you know a Creole accent. You're just like, yeah, yeah. that's it. You know? I mean, because I grew up in Louisiana. Just, yeah, just because to it, I just roll with it. I, I've, I've had doctors <laughs> that have that school superintendents. I've encountered a thousand yep. people that have that same accent. So I'm just accustomed to it. Dude, you know the accent that blew my mind? Did you ever see uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Oh, yeah. Okay. The dude, the the, the blonde vampire that that was always uh, trying oh, to. Oh, Spike? Get, yeah, Spike. Yep. He's not English. I know, right? When the first time I heard him speak, he sounds like a surfer dude from Louisiana, from uh, California. Yeah, he, I think he had for a while like a, a a cover band or something. Dude, I was blown away. I was like, whoa! Like, because when I heard it, I thought he was being funny for a second, and then like the interview continued, and I'm like, oh no, this is just how he sounds. And so, an accent can really go a long way to changing your perspective on something, but it doesn't mean. That's Every time I hear any member of the Walking Dead cast, you know, because they, they all, the reason they do Southern accents really well, I was watching some History Channel special. What people don't realize is because, you know, most of the colonies were Southern. Remember, it started in Jamestown, Virginia. A Southern accent is really just basically a slowed down British accent. That's true in a lot of ways, for sure. And it's And it's interesting because, you know, the same way people go, oh, the, the French accent is so sophisticated and, you know, whatever. And half the time they're just like insulting you, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> but it's tough, right, to have people look at you a certain way or want to immediately disregard your opinion, your intelligence, your history, 
because you choose to not have, I don't know, 100% proper English diction all the time. When in reality, that shows more character and more personality and, and authenticity more than anything else. Like if, if I only ever presented myself with certain language and only only spoke a certain way and typed a certain way, that would be way less genuine than the person you get to see all the time or listen to on the show or anything else. So I'm not even sure, other than obviously wanting to quote unquote put people in their place, I'm not really sure what the benefit would be to even wanting people to correct themselves. Because I'll be honest, I think people's different dialects and accents are kind of cool, personally. I like hearing, you know, the person that's from that grew up in, you know, whole family histories from like Georgia and has that like Southern drawl to it or whatever. That's like, you know, from the area of the country, even exactly where they're from. You know, I think a Australian accents really cool. You know, like, I don't think people should be covering them up. Like if that's who you are and that's where you're from. Cool. It just sucks because a lot of people get forced into situations where they try to get rid of it. No. And I know people who've done that. That have said, like, man, I've tried to drop all this speech pattern. I've tried to, you know, people, I know people have actually gone and gotten speech coaches to get over certain things to make it easier for them to get jobs or hold positions or whatever because they knew how they were going to be viewed, which is terrible, right? Nobody should have to give themselves up just to be more presentable, especially like we're saying in the case of that scientist. We're like, he's already gone and put in probably, hell, seven, eight years of school, you know, whatever else. And obviously was well-versed in what he was doing, but dude's still getting judged just because of where he grew up. Like, that doesn't even make sense, but that's how we treat people. But anyway, just some food for thought, something to think about. I thought it was an interesting conversation piece because, you know, one more thing people want to take a shot at on social media because that's just how people are. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, Brian? I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, YouTube. Our fan channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N on most social platforms. And I want to say go out, get your shots, take care of yourself, whether that's the flu or the COVID or whatever pox are out there. Just protect you and your family. And most importantly, remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 